and welcome to Dungeons vs. Dragons. <laughs> um, screwed up that. <laughs> uh, I'm keeping that. All right, cool. Uh, I'm Oliver. And I'm Evan. And we'll be your DMs for the day. Uh, well. I'm wondering how much of that is going to stay in. And it's probably just going to be the intro and us laughing because we were making jokes before. And Very jokey Having bunch. a good time. Yeah. I'm also realizing us being your DMs for the day, I feel like it's a little misleading. I feel like you've settled into more of a of a player advocate. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I was I was expecting this to be a bit more, um, I think when we started the, the conceit was that we were both DMs, but I really have settled into kind of the, kind of the player role, which is interesting. I think it's, I think it's more, more of a natural shift of like you naturally advocating for one thing and me, you know, filling the role of the other. Cause like, mm-hmm. you know, I do like, I do like DMing. I, and I think if I were talking with somebody who was more of a player than I am, I could shift pretty easily into the more right. DM role, but you know, I'm kind of a, kind of a switch if, <laughs> if that's, you know, not rowdy, too rowdy for the <laughs> podcast, we can, uh, can edit that out but we can just say this is my world and you're living in it yeah exactly i uh i i'm at your beck and call which is also you know rowdy (laughs) (laughs) no that's that's fine that's that's clean oh wait but we Uh, will be your at least DD partners for the day (laughs) yeah yeah well we're you're we're your we're your DD. we're your party we're your party for the day Mm, that's good um and what are we talking about today Today we're we're like WWE taking it to the mat. Nice, uh, very yeah, good. I, I I thought of that one and I was like, hmm, that's that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be discussing two pretty famous DMs, um, two of arguably more like, I would say I would say they're both top five. Uh, arguably certain, more famous certain, than us. I mean, let's not go too far. Oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, we're gonna be talking about Matt Mercer and Matt Colville. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, an advocate for, for Matt Mercer being, uh, the superior Matt. And I'm obviously arguing for Matt Colville being the superior Matt, because we have a, we have a history. We're good buddies. Mm. He answered a really? question that I asked in a chat on one of the streams one time. So we're basically. I'm we're, in the presence like, of celebrity. Absolutely. I didn't are. realize that I, I didn't realize that I was so outmatched from the for get-go. Sure. You've got you've got firsthand information. Matt Morris would be a lot more difficult to, to get in touch with. Yeah. In any way. So you're already conceding that my Matt is far celebrityer. Oh, for far sure. Far more that, There's no question. Than, yeah, that's true. <laughs> we, we, we can't really have that be like a thing because it's just like uh, it blatantly true. Yeah, no. Matt Mercer is the he's the McDonald's of D D. <laughs> wow. Just kidding. That's uh bold um i i really yeah, so, do love both of these people i think they've done yeah, and, amazing things and, for the community and that's our that's our big caveat is since uh since these are real people we're not going to be going <laughs> as hard and heavy as we normally do um i know comparatively little about matt colville other than like a few of his fun little tweaks and tweaks and different rules that i've seen on the internet before and uh and then you talking about him is probably my biggest you know influence about him so uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm interested to hear why you think he can step to the throne he definitely can i think that this is a really good discussion because they they exist in different D spaces mm. and they they both play very differently and i think therefore inspire very different kinds of play <clears throat> and i think that well i'm not going to get into my arguments just right away but i think it's it, yeah. we're going to find that they're they're very different in their styles and it's going to be fun to to put those into clash yeah and and i think that's i think that's why it's good to um you know the, one of the reasons why like you might be asking yourself like why are we even talking about how other people play D D? like if your not, first name is matt <laughs> it's just a fun bit okay get up our facts <laughs> about it jeez mom um you might like be like oh why, why do you even care about how somebody else plays D um and and you know you can play however you'd like to but there is right. something to be gained from watching other people you know that's why we've you know i think we've said it before to like go and go and if you're a good dm like go and play at another person's table right. go and see what their dming is like because you can 
you can steal as much as you like and it just makes you stronger like mm-hmm. steal 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 it's great um and i think that's why you know these people are are renowned is because they you know put a lot of thought into it they can put a lot of effort into it and you can steal really dope stuff from them and should absolutely yeah. you should and they would both love it from too. oh absolutely yeah yeah no they're and and that's what's such such a cool thing about like dming and the like D culture is that it's very like everybody's trying to lift everybody else up is like mm-hmm. we, we all get better at D when we all get better at D. like there's just more fun D around and those sorts of like fun little changes spread virally through like different uh because like you know you'll bring a fun rule that you heard of from like another table to your table and be like hey maybe we can do criticals like this like oh and then you know maybe the dm from that goes and plays somewhere else and they're like hey this is a really cool thing that you know this person did and then you know they go on with that so there's there's a lot to be gained from watching other dms and especially watching like masterclass dms like right, uh, yeah. like our like our various mats are mm-hmm. And that's something too that I I really like about D&D is that getting better at D&D quote unquote is like having more interesting sessions that are more fun. Mm -hmm. And it's not like so many other games that are just like getting better at it means that you have a higher success rate. You know, it's like- Sometimes you actually have less fun in games as you get better at them. I've been playing a lot of Elden Ring recently. Um, it, it, It wanted to cut out because I mentioned another property and it's like, don't, don't do that, man, come on. Um, playing all that Elden Ring and there's something to be said for like how you can have a bit less fun in that game as you get better and better because it's like there are some enemies that just become kind of trivial because you get so good at the game that it's like this isn't really a challenge anymore it's just a slog whereas if you were worse you'd be like you know trying really hard and like you'd be making those improvements and the improvements are kind of what's fun about the game mm-hmm. um but in D, as you get better you just have more fun and that's the point of it is like getting better means having more fun there isn't any other metric for it like right it, there, it's not like you can get better at D and have less fun because that means you're worse at D. <laughs> like <laughs> right yeah love it we love this game oliver yeah we're we're we're, we're big dummy fans for for D. i uh <laughs> I haven't stopped playing it since I started playing it essentially like it's been it's been years and years now and and I still I still feel a little bit of excitement every time every time I'm getting to play in a session mm-hmm. so you got to take breaks from Skyrim I never want to take a break from d d it's true I I haven't ever played a game for as long as I have played d d and it's still interesting you know there we go well let's roll this off Oliver see what we let's, got let's going. do this all right you're gonna get a 16. I know you, you you called a nat twenty before before the uh, before the show started, yeah. but um, I think it's going to be a, a big a big sixteen. It's going to be an eight for you because you're Visible. half of my height. I got a seven. I got a ten. Oh, you dog! Yeah, winner, right. winner, winner with a average number. <laughs> yeah, slightly below average. <laughs> um. Uh, who do you want to go first then? Because you get to choose. Uh, I'll go first. I'll I'll establish the throne, and then you can uh, you can try to try to make your case for your inferior Matt. I like that narrative. Matt is definitely <laughs> Matt Elwell. Matt Colville is definitely the underdog. Yeah, I I imagine we'll we'll say Mercer and Colville. That sounds good. Um, and then like we're their coaches on their yeah. soccer team. Mercer, get over here. <laughs> Do your drills. Um, okay, so uh, Matt Mercer is the DM of Critical Role, which is a multimedia conglomerate. Uh, nice. They just they just released their um, TV show, Legends of Vox Machina, uh, out now on Amazon Prime. Um, they've had they've had a long running D and D stream. Um, they're now in campaign three. Uh, each campaign lasts like a couple of years and they just started campaign three um, to establish my bona fides. I have watched all of campaign two and all of campaign three up to this point. I 
did not watch almost any of campaign one. Um, it kind of starts in the middle of the story. Uh, and it was just really weird for me to try to get on board with. I know a lot of people who have done it successfully, but but it's not it's not my cup of tea to jump in through a story like halfway because they it was a home game that just kind of turned into something else. Um, so they started out at like level seven or nine or something like that. So they're already pretty powerful, pretty established. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't really need that. So just watch campaign two. It's fun. Um, Matt Mercer has been the DM for the entire time uh, and he's famous for just how good of a DM he is. That's kind of, he's kind of like one of the, probably the main reason why Critical Role has become the, the phenomena that it is. Um, previously, it was the record holder for the, for the largest Kickstarter um, before, before my boy, Brandon Sanderson, kicked him out of the water uh with his with his random release of four new books which is insane of him to to do but you know not gonna, you know not how gonna harp they on. raised on their kickstarter <sighs> a million 10 15 something like that um 10 15 million yeah holy cow what was it the was kickstarter for Sorry, Legends this, of this Machina, the, the animated series have you not heard oh that? yeah I didn't so realize they kickstarted the Eleven point three million dollars. Holy cow! That's uh, pledged of seven hundred and fifty thousand gold. So yeah, <laughs> they they kickstarted their uh, TV show, and then Amazon picked it up later, and it was you know hugely gotcha. hugely uh, funded. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Critical Role is a bunch of voice actors who all are friends and got together and decided to do D and D. So it's very well acted. It's very well. Uh, voiced and Matt being the DM does a lot of voice work that is unparalleled in the in the D&D verse um he's a very like physical actor he embodies his characters very well he like you can like see him when they're like about to talk to a, a goblin NPC or something he'll like scrungle down um it's fantastic uh so I mean voice acting is almost almost is a point that I feel like cannot be taken away from him. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's his signature, it's what he's known for, um, and he's incredible at it. Uh, but as far as like how he is in a, as an actual DM, um, he crafts wonderful stories. He's, I think one of his best things is how intimately he knows all of his players. They are all really, really good friends. And also he is married to one of them. <laughs> um, Helps. And he does a really good job of tying both what the player wants for their character and what he wants for the character together into a satisfying character arc that fits with what the player wants to do. Like some, some players at his table really aren't terribly comfortable being in the limelight, being the center of attention. Um, having an entire arc about themselves. And some characters, they just don't feel like warranted. Like they're like, I didn't make this character to have an arc. Mm-hmm. I made this character to, you know, fit their little bits in every now and again. Um, and that is super good at identifying those things, seeing what makes a an interesting, you know, story. And then also like pushing the boundaries a little bit to bring something good out of uh, out of his players. He's He's really good at, frankly dragging a, a cool story out of any situation um very very cinematic uh fights good descriptions um i think he's i think he's really good at letting his players describe it when they want to like his wife marisha very apt to describe her own things that she she does and he he's like awesome and he builds off that a little bit um and then there are some other people uh like liam o'brien who he just basically lets completely describe his things because he's always really good at describing them. Um, so I think I think that individual relationship with your players is kind of what comes through when you watch. You're like, wow, he really knows all these people really well and what they want, and everybody leaves his table happy, seemingly at least, um, and having a good time. So I think that's something that I really uh, admire about him and something that I strive to emulate is like knowing what, your player is expecting out of a good D game and giving it to them. You know, there's no reason to withhold 
like the thing that they want or like uh you know it just makes it a better game when you get to know your players more and he knows his players real well um i also think he is really really solid at making homebrew that doesn't overwrite any existing dnd rules like his his homebrew that he introduces is more often than not just supplementary like it's subclasses it's classes it's things like that that very easily like modularly fit into the existing 5e like 5e has a bunch of open sockets that you can just plug anything you want to in there and i feel like too many dms will try to change out the engine before plugging in a different spark plug to see if that's interesting um like they're like oh let's overhaul the encumbrance system and it's like why why are you doing something so basic like it's just make a new subclass like that's cool your player will have never played that before it doesn't really matter if it's in balance because it's your game it doesn't really like you know end up mattering uh and apparently uh Wizards of the Coast agrees with me because he has three official released subclasses um so there's Echo Knight for the fighter he and then Chronomancer yeah, Echo Knight's in. That. That's mm -hmm. it's a it officially is a part of his drow um like race of people the the Krin the Krin dynasty um in the Grinches wow. <laughs> yeah how the how the Krin stole Christmas <laughs> um they are also the ones who invented Dunamancy and Fabergy um mm -hmm. which is the other two subclasses they're wizard subclasses um invented a lot of cool interesting spells for them uh move some spells from like existing to his new schools of magic mm. um and yeah Echonite's Echonite's awesome uh it's you know one of those subclasses that you kind of look at it and you immediately get it you're like "Ooh, I want to play this so bad mm. um and then Dunamancy and Grabbergy are just like solid additions to D&D like canon like if you wanted to make you if you want to make a time wizard or a gravity wizard like it's very dope and it's cool things that didn't really exist in the D&D canon before that he plugged right in and he has a bunch of you know other subclasses that he's created mostly specifically for his players um like his wife wanted to make a more like cerebral monk that was like more focused on study and like you know how to how to like order um which you know he kind of wanted that to rebel against it which was it, it's a fun character dynamic um but anyway so he made uh order of the cobalt soul and he just made like a whole like knowledge cleric-esque monk mm -hmm. um and then in the current campaign uh one of his players wanted to play a therapist cleric and so he just kind of made that um so he's he's really good at like yes ending with mm -hmm. mechanics in a way that is very it, it kind of all fits pretty well and is very accessible to the average person who has only played a couple of sessions of DD or none at all because you kind of get like there's not too much weirdness thrown on top it's kind of just 5e solid with a couple of extra things that you get to be like oh gee whiz that's pretty cool um and then uh probably he he also made the most official non-official class in my opinion blood hunter um oh right yeah i forgot about that yeah blood hunters him um it's a it's a really cool class that he's he's good at retuning as well like he's retuned it a couple of times it's now more accessible than ever you can use wisdom or intelligence which i think is cool yeah intelligence um, needs more love yeah it definitely does Artificer um, helps if, it out. if they'd ever if they'd ever release the mystic i mean like mm -hmm. artificer does help but like give a mystic some love get back in there make a psionic come on give um, my mystic some love <laughs> uh yeah so i think that one thing to acknowledge is that there's a pretty famous thing in dnd circles called the matt mercer effect um which literally refers to matt being such a good dm that it ruins how regular table DD is played because either your dm or your players come in with too high expectations for the other party like your players come in expecting to be whisked away on a magical like matt mercer like adventure and that 
it just simply isn't the only way to play D D. Like a, a lot of a lot of people get sucked into the idea that this is how you play D D, and it's really just how he plays at his table, and he's very vocal about that. But mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the the cult of personality around him can sometimes right. be a little bit oppressive. But he himself is a very non non toxic, inclusive. You know, I think both of our bats are pretty are pretty good at you know keeping away the gatekeepy parts of D D. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, great voice actor, one of the most official, non-official like writers for D and D. Like he introduced an entire campaign saying that like, you know, who else has done that? Uh, so good that he has an entire effect named after how good he is. Uh, he just seems like a really cool dude. <laughs> yeah, he but, does. Uh, yeah, he just seems like a friend. So uh, yeah, I think I, I think I'm ready to pass the rock over. <laughs> oh. Really, really dribble and uh, pass, pass. I don't know. Yo, I don't... Toss the boulder, dude. Yeah, really... is that what people refer to the basketball as? The rock, I believe. I don't know if you, I don't oh, know if you can is say that actually the thing. <laughs> That's actually no. the basketball. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, I thought you were just joking. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's oh, it's the ball. But toss toss the rock is toss I believe a basketball term. Um, we are showing our lack of knowledge about other yeah. games. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I don't, can't think of any word for it in soccer. They just call it the ball. Um, the old, the old, the old sack of leather. The is it leather? Has it ever been leather? It probably know, used to be leather. I know you can say t- chuck the pigskin for football. Right. That's yeah. for for football, not football. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they have a. I'm sure they have slang for for football in other languages. They probably like do. It's actual... also just football because it's that in England where they don't have Hispanic accents. They call it footy. Yeah, have, footy. A, have a little bit of footy. But footy is also footage in a skating scene. You got that footy of me hitting the ten set. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, it is. That's hilarious. Yeah, we just we in America love to make things more complicated yeah. uh, just by introducing alternate definitions of things. Oh boy! But I am ready to explain to everybody why stalling, stalling for time for you to for you to build up your points. I'm going to be explaining why Matt Colville is the superior. I'm just going to say like D and D personality more so than mm. just him as a DM. So welcome everybody. Bundle up. Ooh. Get your hot chocolate. Settle down, relax. This is a place. We're getting intimate. We are getting intimate. How close to the mic can I get? It's very warm. I don't know if we want to get into ASMR territory. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, Okay, so you're probably asking, who is Matt Colville? Because he's not nearly as famous as Matt Mercer. (laughs) And uh, Matt Colville is a middle-aged white nerd who... um, loves D&D and has been been DMing since the 80s. So not quite the inception of D&D, but very shortly thereafter. I think he started running um, a D&D. I think, so, I think that's what he started doing. And then, but what he actually got famous for was uh, his YouTube channel, Matt Colville, um, and a series of videos that he made entitled Running the Game. And they're all about convincing prospective DMs to like, go ahead and start DMing, hit the ground running and to give them tools to make DMing feel more accessible, more fun, less stressful. And that's how I found out about him. I think I, the first video of his that I watched was number 13 or 14 or so on running the game. And he's now on like 120 or something. And I've watched them all and they're all very helpful. And he just gives great advice from 40 years of experience DMing, which is insane. Uh, maybe 30. But no, I mean, it's 2022. And he started in the 80s, man. That's like 35 at least. That's crazy. Um, and what I, I'm going to kind of pick up where Oliver left off-ish and saying that I think Colville does a great job of helping DMs cope with the Mercer effect. Because... The Matt Mercer effect isn't just that Matt's such a that Matt Mercer is such a great DM that when you have a less good DM, you're disappointed and just like set your expectations lower. 
it's more so the expectation that like a D&D session is a production or a performance because mm. Matt Mercer is the perfect DM for a D&D production. Like obviously all of the people that are involved in Critical Role are accomplished voice actors and performers like professionally. And so they are all perfect for what they do. But for the majority of us, vast, vast majority of us, a D&D session is not a performance. Like it's a game that we're just playing with our friends and not that Critical Role isn't that, but how we consume it as an audience is like we're watching a TV show. It's like we are expecting to have really like satisfying narratives, to have um, like running jokes, to have characters that go through an important arc, to have, you know, the welcome to the dungeon. Like we're expecting performances. Um, and what I love about Matt Colville is he is a wonderful and refreshing reminder that like historically that has not been what D&D is, right? It's just, it's a pretty new thing for people to be wanting to watch live plays or real plays, whatever they're called. Actual um, plays, I believe. What is it? It's the term. Actual play? Actual play. Thank you. That's what it is. Um, and Matt Mercer, or sorry, Matt Colville tried his hand at that for a little bit. He, he streamed a few sessions of a campaign that he was running. And he said he didn't really like it and his players didn't really like it. They didn't like the fact that they felt like they had to be performing. And so they just stopped doing it. And so what he's known for- Good for is, them. Yeah, yeah, I respect it for sure. Um, and to be fair, I watched the first episode and was like, yeah, this isn't that, this isn't really what I'm looking for. And so I stopped watching and um, it wasn't so much a failure as it is like confirming to me the fact that Matt Colville is kind of this bastion of like, pizza D, D, you know like you mm. get together with your friends you play some games you roll some dice obviously you want to have like interesting narrative you want to have good hack and slash moments like you want to have all these fun things that like a more performative D will have but at, at its core like it's you and your friends like hanging out and um so yeah like performing it wasn't really for them or specifically for him and, and this couple of people that he was working for or working with um so i kind of see Matt Mercer as being the DM that you're on the other side of the screen of, you see all the things that he, that his players see, but you're not savvy to what's going on like behind the scenes. And Matt Colville is a great resource to get behind the screen with the DM and mm. talk about all of the ways that he puts his campaigns together, um, helpful things to be aware of, like logistically with how the actual rules of D and D work. I guess a whole video on dice math and how to like approximate DCs of things and how big of a bonus like will affect the odds of something happening. And so he gets like noodly like that, but he also just talks about like setting and the difference between like fantasy and um uh Lord. Uh another word. Man, I'm forgetting it. Oh well, he's also a huge Tolkien head, which I love. Um <laughs> So yeah, that's the that's my first major point is that he's kind of an advocate of what I consider pizza D and D. He reminds us that non performative D and D is not lesser in value than performative D and D. Mm. It's just a different kind of game, and most of us aren't performing for anybody. We're just having fun together, and he kind of normalizes that. That's point number one. Point number two is he's contributed a lot to the D and D community. He hasn't brought as many people to D and D like Matt Mercer has and Fred Carroll have. But he has, he has helped me specifically as somebody who was really afraid to start DMing. He gave me some confidence to actually like get my hands dirty and realize that I didn't have to be a performer necessarily to be a good DM. And like his first running the game video is here's a quick little adventure that you can run in like two hours. And it's super straightforward and simple. And I've used that little adventure like five times with different <laughs> groups because it was just really helpful. It was straightforward. It was interesting for all the players. And it's like what started my first campaign that I ever ran. I sat in this little town that he was like, oh, let's just come up with this little town. We only need to know three of the NPCs and they're in the boar forest. And it's called the boar forest because there's boars in there. And like, it's super <laughs> straightforward. Anybody can run it. Um, and I, that really was like, when I was looking to get into DMing, he had just started the running the game series and it, it helped me 
helped me get some confidence to DM, which I've obviously loved doing since I started. And that's kind of the whole premise of the channel is like proving to people that DMing is easier than they think. It's more fun than they think, and it's more accessible. But he's also contributed lots of things to the DD community, like actual products, strongholds, and followers is a book. Yeah, that was him. Mm -hmm. It was like one and a half million dollars that he raised for that <laughs> on Kickstarter. Well, I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty freaking good. Um, and so I, I so kick strongholds and followers and his newer book that's just come out. I'm pretty sure it's just come out is uh, kingdoms and warfare. And they're kind of like, they both play into a fantasy that I don't think fifth edition really allows for or, or gives a lot of guidance for which is that like, as you become more powerful, it's less about just like smacking down monsters and being an adventurer is more about like forming alliances and um, having more of like a political sway in the world or influence at least. So it's about like having a castle and amassing followers that you can send out to do particular missions for you. And it gives rules to like amassing an army and how to do large scale military combat, which I think is like so awesome. It's obviously missing from the rules of fifth edition. Um, and I think it's, it's great work. It's well-written. It's well done. He's, he was a game designer. Well, he was like a writer for um, Turtle Rock Studios, which made a few a few games. Mercenaries, that series they did. Um, uh, there was the big one, too, um, that I'm totally forgetting about. Evolve. Oh, okay. Evolve. Left, Left 4 Dead, yeah. Oh, wait, Left 4 Dead was Valve. Uh, they're, they're, they're known as Valve South. Oh. Uh, between 2008 and 2010, uh, they were known as Valve South. So it was acquired by Valve in 2008, but refounded in 2011. But they did do Left 4 Dead, and now they've done Back for Blood. Okay, gotcha. Oh, um, owned by Tencent now. Soon to be owned by 50 Cent. Well, that's five times as much. <laughs> so he has a great, just like, eye for game mechanics. And he's also a writer. Like, he has a bunch of fantasy novels that he's written. Um, so he has a great, just like mind for forming narrative anyways what i was saying about that is he he's gotten these two great books out running the game or strongholds and followers and kingdoms and warfare that help flush out what's missing one thing that's missing from fifth edition um he also started a like magazine publication called arcadia they've been going for probably about a year at this point um a new issue every month with like new subclasses adventures monsters with awesome art it's all really well done and he's just it's kind of like old school you know like dragon magazine he he brings a lot of also part of the they, fantasy that he they used to introduce like actual rules in like 3.5 oh really like magazines like you like you would have to sometimes bring in certain like magazines to be able to validly play like um certain like prestige classes and stuff like that because it just got that crunchy at some point well, that's what 3.5 needed too was more rules <laughs> <laughs> for sure um but i think part of the the space that matt coldwell kind of inhabits is like the assumption that your characters aren't necessarily important in the world like you can just be uh like the world doesn't necessarily care about you and give way to you oh help my my daughter is missing in the woods. I'll pay you a hundred gold if you go in there. Like he kind of messes with those assumptions. And um, I think that's kind of more of an old school D&D thing. Like, oh, you, you know, like your characters are going to die because it's a dangerous world. But I kind of like that because it's, it inhabits yeah. a different kind of fantasy and it's good stuff. I love Matt Colville. Great guy, big fan. Okay, you can get rid of your hot chocolate and get uncozy again because Oliver's about to talk. Get uncozied. Uh, I am I am famously sharp and 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 not cozy at all. Zero percent cozy in my You're what's, what's the opposite? Yeah, what's the opposite of cozy? Um, stressful, starchy, starchy. About like I'm pointy. I I have spikes. Oh yeah, starchy. Um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, so I'm going to pick up on one of the first things that you said, which is that. Matt Colville is kind of letting you behind the screen. Um, 
I think it's I think it's weirdly enough like we didn't plan this or anything, but it does tie into what we were talking about uh, at the start, which is that like I've kind of become oh. a, a a player advocate. I've kind of become like a bit of the person who kind of talks about things from the player perspective, and I think that that's kind of the difference here is like as a player you kind of come to be entertained and you know there are things to be gleaned from watching good D &D Mm. as a dm or as a player but kind of being a better dm is its own is its own thing like you you aren't necessarily a better player by watching a lot of good dm stuff yeah like you know getting behind the screen and like knowing a lot of dn stuff isn't gonna necessarily make you a better player it might make you notice things about dms that you wouldn't have noticed before like it it might it might lessen your enjoyment a little bit to know that like well that's not how i would have done it like i I find that that's actually really grating to a lot of dms is when they have somebody else who's like a good dm in their group like that's it can kind of be like Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a great DM, but I do, I do accidentally step on my DM's toes a lot with like rulings and stuff because, you know, I have a very analytical mind for rulings. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of know how the like system of hierarchies works and I can kind of come to something that I feel like is the correct answer. Um, and is normally borne out by, you know, who's that guy? Who's, who's that guy? You know that guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff, Jeremy Crawford? Jeremy Crawford. Yeah, Sage of Jeff, Joyce. Jeff, Jeff Kaplan from the Overwatch team. Yes, uh, Jeremy Jeremy Crawford is who I was thinking of. Um, so, you know, getting getting too far behind the DM screen as a player is not great. And, and I think that that's what Matt does is he keeps up a, a good sense of mystery and a good sense of, like, being kind of swirled along with his journey and he wants to maintain that for his players because you know as much as it is a performance it is still just his friends like it's just him and his friends playing D&D the way that they want to and you know sometimes they just have an episode where everybody's like wow that's that sucked and they're like we had fun it's our game like shut up dudes (laughs) like they often have to say that like hey remember we're letting you watch this like mm-hmm. you know it's not it's not about you um so i i think that's i think that's interesting and i think preserving pizza dnd is a is a very big deal that i think is um highly important and 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 i respect anyone doing that and i have no caveats to that i i think that that's that's always how i want to be playing dnd and anytime i forget that you know I, I get swept up in the Matt Mercer effect. I, I need to be brought back down to like, sometimes you just want to play a little, you know, essentially AD&D and, and you just got your little elf wizard who's walking around with his little dwarf fighter friend and mm-hmm. and you're just, you're just walking through a dungeon killing kobolds. Like, that's fun. That that's sounds a, fun. That's I'd a good game. That. That, sounds, that sounds dope. Like, I, I like that kind of D&D. And then sometimes you want, you know, a little bit of a of a character arc. You want to inhabit a different person that grows and changes, and and you know that's good D and D too. But certainly, you can't you know want one at the cost of another. Like you can't you can't force a game to be something that it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think you're right that that Matt Mercer effect is is a bit broader than I was making it. I was making my point, but. Um, it, it can it can be a little bit um, hard to you know separate what mm. his D and D is versus what your D and D might be, right? Because it's honestly the idea of like consuming D and D that you're not a part of. Just like I I totally get it, and I mm-hmm. like watched some of Campaign One of Critical Role, but it does sound weird though. Yeah, it's like these people like four hours that half of the time is spent like noodling about numbers and rules like that's not yeah, good that's not a good I've product watched, i've watched several hundred hours of just <laughs> other people playing D. it's so yeah. weird but i mean but it works and people love yeah. it and so i'm not i'm not like crapping on it at all but it it sometimes it makes you forget that 
before this thing was televised, it wasn't really a performance for anybody. Not to say that yeah. like there aren't any like performers or any kind of like role play acting going on at the table, but like fundamentally it wasn't like, let's yeah, go out was, and make a performance. It was like, let's go and I want to get more loot and I am invested in my character. It was, it was a, it was literally a birthday present for one of the players right, is, that, yeah. is that Matt would run a game for them. And then they just all loved it so much that they, mm. they kept going. Is that guy's name also Matt? The guy who's birthday present? Yeah. No, 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 that no Liam? it's Liam. That was Liam O'Brien. Yeah. Who's the guy that no, there's, uh, there's there's not another Matt in who was the bard dude? Was that is that Talison? Is that Sam? It? Sam is Sam. Uh, Sam plays Scanlon Short Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam yeah, Regal. Man, that's a star. Yeah. Regal. Yeah. Regal. I think it's a bio. Um, I think it's Rigel, isn't it? I mean it's, I think it's pronounced I, I think it's pronounced Rigel though. Not by me, dude. <laughs> 870 light years away from the sun. 47,000 times as luminous as the sun that's bonkers that's cool i feel like 870 is actually not terribly far in the grand scheme of things no i think the closest is like 1.4 light years away yeah alpha centauri Uh, man this is why everybody's serious or alpha is it alpha centauri Um, where's wolf 359 (laughs) i know that's pretty close i know 4.4 light years from the sun let me see how close Wolf 359 is. Uh, okay. Okay, Red Dwarf Star. I, I was giving a lot of... Okay, 7.9 light years. That's pretty close. Yeah, so it's it's pretty close, but it's not, it's not as close. It's one of the nearest... Okay, only Alpha Centauri... Bernard Star and the Brown Dwarf Lumen 16. Oh, oh Lumen 16. I love that one. Oh, man. I freaking the Brown Dwarfs Lumen 16 and Wise 08550714. Love those guys. I mean, there's only so many like mythological heroes we can name stuff <laughs> after. I mean, the, the closest stars to us. We can certainly do better than Wise 085. Like, we're going to go to that eventually, probably. Like, we can we can try a bit harder. You think we're going to be around that long, Oliver? I don't not know. <laughs> well, no, not us. Yeah, but they human race i don't know oh, the human race i hope i mean i think we've got like 100 years left far away is it oh man we're getting real uh unless we terraform mars in which case maybe we can make something happen uh in any case i have no idea how far it is did you yeah, find I... out if it was pronounced rigel or not oh no i didn't look it up right. like nigel I was R-I-G-E-L. just R-I-G-E-L. It's instead of R-I-E-G-E-L. I think it's Regal. Oh. Rigel just sounds like I'm butchering it, though. Rigel sounds Rigel. like I'm anglicizing Rigel. something. Sounds like I'm saying Rachel with an Australian accent. Okay. Rigel. Rigel. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Rigel. Anyway, weird that I knew. Not that. to me, it's not. You're you're it's, free to call. It's one uh, regal stars, star, you like. <laughs> and it's in the best constellation too. <clears throat> well, it is. I think it's got a corona, which is Spanish for crown, in there. I think I think I think suns have some connection. To oh crowns. yes, there's like yes, a there's do. like a. Anyway, I thought you were wow. talking about Cassiopeia, which is a constellation that's I'm pretty sure in the shape of the crown that Cassiopeia wore. Maybe it's actually the shape of her, but it looks like a crown from the stars that I can see. Shape of Anyways. a woman? It would be a weird star. No, no, no. Constellation, not star. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was just the one star. And I was like, How is, it? is it like, was, what's going on there? Pretending like I know anything about astronomy and just like <laughs> pulling around. No. I think the planet Mars is called that because it went to war with the other planet. Right. Yeah. Collided with Jupiter. Um, anyway. So, yeah. yeah. Back, back to the mats. Mercer is oh. definitely like a player's DM to idolize. And you're not going to really care about Matt Colville at all if you're not a DM. Unless you're just like 
a player who really loves D&D and wants all the D&D content you can get, then yeah. yeah. But I mean, if you're, it's really, the, the channel itself is geared towards DMs. Mm-hmm. As is Arcadia and Strongholds and Followers and Kingdoms of Warfare. So that is that is a bit of a cessation. I'm seeding that. Right? C E S S A T I O N would be like. Yeah, how do you even Cessation? A session. Oh, right. I think it's seed. Yeah, a session for sure. I think it's a session. Yeah. It sounds really bad, though. Yikes. Imagine talking about. A session in D and D, yeah, but exactly. not talking about a session. <laughs> but you're seeding something, yes. right? You so seed yeah, that point. Colville is the DM's DM. Yeah, but that is also a positive because I'm now cognizant of how loud I'm talking. Um, <laughs> that is a positive because it truly is difficult to be a DM. Like it's hard to get into. It's hard to do. It's hard to feel like you're doing a good job ever. Um, and I think more of that sort of like, instead of giving like an icon of, of perfection that I think, you know, Matt Mercer is, is a star to strive for to mm-hmm. tie it back to our, um, I, think, I think that, you know, Colville seems like he is helping to improve everybody's game. Like mm-hmm. not just by a byproduct of, you know, showing and stealing and stuff, but as an actual, like, here are some tools, like, this is, this is good D&D, like, I don't care what you think it is, I don't care if you don't care for the way that you play it, like, this is good D&D, like, right, and that's, you know, that's all that, and something, sorry, something else that I love about him, too, is that the suggestions that he has, yeah, the suggestions that he has don't, like, really include house rules, which I like mm-hmm. because those yeah. can, I feel like not, all of not the... a big fan of DMing like that. Like, have you heard of the angry DM? <laughs> I don't think so. He, he does a lot of house rules. He changes mm-hmm. a lot of things and they're sometimes pretty cool. But like, if you Google something like sometimes you'll get an angry, ang- is it angry GM or is it angry DM? I don't know. Anyway, you'll sometimes get some of his stuff and he, yeah, house rules have the wazoo. Yeah. And I feel like so much of D and D YouTube specifically is, blank is broken in fifth edition and five ways to change it and it's like i'm yeah. not trying to change the system dude and so I, I'll, yeah yeah so i think much you of, and i don't shop and screw fifth edition rules too much which is why hardly ever sort of come at this from you know a similar a similar place of like five year rules are pretty they're there's they're solid and you can build off of that if you want but yeah don't go don't go fiddling i'm not a, i'm not a better game designer than the people who made D like certainly not but yeah i love matt colville but i think it's great yeah i think you might get the uh get the underdog bonus here and and pull ahead because sounds like he's you know an interesting dude who has done a lot for the dm dm community specifically um i'm gonna check his stuff out it sounds it sounds good and it sounds like he's a he's a wholesome wholesome sort of sort of gent for you know not because I, I think that is one thing that like you can't ignore the externalities of to use one of my <laughs> economics degree words nice. externalities <laughs> uh that's what i paid this <laughs> so much right, money for yeah. is the ability to use and the word externalities what college was that again no, i'm not gonna <laughs> dox <laughs> Beep. um one of the externalities of matt mercer dming is that people do you know, experience the Matt Mercer effect is that people get a bit more afraid to play, you know, in their home game the way that they want to because it's not what is perceived to be the correct way to play D&D or like, you know, people bring in like, oh, I'm going to play as, you know, Jester, this character that was in Critical Role and you need to play it as good as Matt did and play into my antics as good as Matt did otherwise I'll feel unfulfilled as a player mm-hmm. and you know you don't you don't want people coming away unfulfilled like you want them to accept your DMing for what it is that's kind of the that's kind of the dream is to just have a group of people who accept what you're given to them right. and what you're getting back from them as well it's a very so. vulnerable thing to play D&D with people because yeah. 
You look like an idiot, <laughs> like for most like of idiot. the time. If, if, and I honestly, that's that's another point for Matt Mercer's favor is I could not get up there and have mm. every little bit of my yeah. DMing scrutinized every single week by not. you know hundreds of thousands of people and and people do people tear into him and it's it's so weird you know I'll, I'll you're making me watch this show I'll sometimes backseat DM and be like mm, that's not how the rules go but that's because <laughs> it's fun like it's yeah. I don't ever tell him about it like I right. never I'm never you know posting on Twitter afterwards like um actually that's not how opportunity attacks work uh that was forced movement so he actually shouldn't have gotten an opportunity mm. attack there um you know I, I never do that I just tell it to my partner and they're like mm, okay cool I don't know anything <laughs> about DB. Um, but uh but yeah so so I, I think I think I think you get it I think just for sheer novelty and and yes. step into the throne uh you you get the you get the you get the most improved award which is sometimes what we do <laughs> yeah because like it's hard to say that like like Matt is just he's he's such a he's such an icon that Mercer. it would be really yeah Mercer sorry <laughs> yeah of course Mercer <laughs> is such an icon that it's hard to you know really say that like people are better than him at what he does right yeah but I, I, I think he gotta come at him come at him sneaky like and I think that's how you did it is like mm -hmm. this is for DMs like he's a like Matt Colville is a DM for dms makes you a better dm gives you the tools and is preserving the heart of dnd which i think is you know there's there's people who should really go out and push the boundaries like dnd as a performance art was right. basically pioneered by mercer mm -hmm. um dnd as a consumable product pioneered um but uh if you if you heard that was my cat lewis um hi lewis but uh, but you know, there 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 really do have to be those torchbearers who are holding on to the flames of just play D and D with your friends, and this is how you do better at that and be less yeah. worried about it because it's a game. Like you know, mm. you, you gotta worry too much about it. Yeah, and Colville is a great proponent of uh, things that would be really easy to forget if you were only like watching D and D as your inspiration. Mm. One of his mantras is, "You don't have fun unless your players have fun." And that has like, it's so easy to forget that. But when you remember that, like, I'm just trying to make these people in front of me have a good time. And then I will also have a good time. And if yeah. my like adherence to the rules or, you know, my idea for how this encounter was going to play out is ruining everybody else's fun, then like, I'm doing it wrong and have to reset and mm -hmm. learning things just like that. And that like, conceptualizing sessions in terms of like drama, like tension and resolution and just ways to conceptualize the game and to really like practically help when you're actually running a session that just watching D&D wouldn't necessarily give you. Yeah. So I, I take, I take it. I'll take the win. I feel like take I've those. been getting a lot of pity wins recently. A lot of most improved. Not, okay. I think, I think, I think we need to establish that this is a particular kind of win that I, I think is wholly valid. Um, is I didn't think about that. Like, I think mm. that that's, you know, we're not necessarily coming up with, you know, the the best of the thing because we know that we would always come to a gridlock unless it was like, you know, something that we both kind of agreed on from the mm. start, um, which isn't common, <laughs> which isn't terribly common to be to be perfectly frank. It's true. We we normally don't have problems figuring out who's going to no. be arguing, like no. which point. Um, but I think that there is, you know there's the preconceived idea that sometimes somebody brings like this is the commonly accepted mm. point like this is the commonly accepted idea in D&D and the other person's like hey actually maybe this mm. and I think it's kind of at the end of the day whoever's mind was changed more mm -hmm. and I think that's normally what ends up happening is like whoever whoever came out of it with more than they brought into it mm the other person's the winner because you right. you gave more than you got like people know matt's M matt mercer is cool man i didn't start slipping up until the very, very end i don't know <laughs> yeah, we're like an hour um, in so yeah uh i feel like i feel like people know mercer's cool people watch 
Mercer's TV show. Like, right, yeah. He is, he is terribly famous. Uh, you know, Jesse McCree in Overwatch and, and Leon Kennedy in Resident Evil. Like, you know, you kind of. Every know, character in Fire Emblem. <laughs> and every single character in Fire Emblem. Um, you kind of know who he is and like what he's doing for the D&D community, but he doesn't really ever, you know, he doesn't necessarily let you behind the screen that much because he is a performer. Kind of everybody who's watching is his players. Like we're all joining in on that process of getting to see what a cool DM he is, but that doesn't always translate to making you more comfortable in being a DM, which I think is... I think is I think is the number one way that you know Matt Colville wins is making you know making sure to have his focus be let's let's make you better like let's mm. help you right. and yeah so I'm 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 down for it I don't think it's a pity win I think it's a I think it's a well earned win just of a particular kind. It's Colville. Like, it's like uh, it's like ending a combat with killing everybody versus ending a combat with making friends. Like it's it's the same. Like you still won, but they're just you go about it different ways. Mm. It was a sneaky win. Mm. Well, good stuff. And the other way that you win is just by sneaking by people. Yeah, that's true. It's, that a, big, it's a big way to win. Just yeah, my level one party combat. is gonna sneak by like a Tarasque or something. Dragon and just like steal his horde. Get all the XP. We got past we the encounter. We did we all rolled that 20, so we're good. <laughs> what's, Silly. A, what's a dragon's passive perception? I bet I bet it's pretty monstrous. I don't know. It's probably like 16. That's what my dragon I would wisdom. They're wisdom. All right, we'll go, like we'll go adult dragon. Adult, let's do adult red or gold. Yeah, let's let's see this. What's what's the what are we talking about here? Ah, there's a lot of stuff around. Perception plus thirteen. Passive perception twenty-three. That's yeah, very okay. surprising. <laughs> so actually, uh level one adventures, <laughs> if they follow world bat twenties, more than likely wouldn't even yeah. do it. That's Dang. okay. Golly, how the heck do they have do they just have ridiculous um so their wisdom's got to be like plus seven. It's thirteen. Is their wisdom plus seven? No, their wisdom is thirteen. It's plus one. Well, oh, their wisdom is thirteen, and they have a plus thirteen. They have a plus thirteen. Maybe they just have expertise. Maybe they have expertise and, and plus six proficient. Plus six proficiency. Yeah, that makes sense. Man, that's insane. It's reception twenty-three, jinkies. Man, imagine if their wisdom was actually good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, plus plus seven con plus eight strength is is delectable. That's fair. Tough to wrestle I, a dragon. I need to run a dragon sometime. I never have. I never. I've never piloted a dragon. That sounds really. Sounds really fun. Yeah. My characters recently killed an ancient red. I always get right up next to it. Like, like most sessions end like two sessions before I believe they're going to fight a dragon. <laughs> in in Lost Minds of Fandel. Where uh, the two times that I've run it, it's felt like we were gonna go to um, I think his name is Tinder, the the like young red dragon or no, no that's uh, that's in Tomb of Annihilation. There's a there's a green dragon in Vendelver. Mm. Anyway, that, that was about to happen, um, and then in uh, Tomb of Annihilation, uh, they were about to go into the area where like random roll table they could just encounter a, a dragon. And man, and I've never run a dungeon. Just kidding. Never piloted a dungeon with its like <laughs> just pu punching players and with hallways, <laughs> AC of one because you could just always hit it. Right. Yeah. Oh boy, an issue. Well, thanks everybody for listening. This has been a yeah. fun ride. I was not expecting this episode to be so long, but we there yeah. was plenty of meat to we, work we could, with. We could we could definitely pull some stuff. There was some star bloat to be fair. We <laughs> That's did, true. We did yeah. go on a star-based tangent for a little yeah. while. But, that is true. Um, but yeah, so so thanks thanks for thanks for joining us. We we really appreciate that you show up every week and you are listening. And you are supporting us financially by <laughs> sliding us $5 on the down low. 
um, because that's what you're doing um, every week. Thank you. Uh, viewers like you. Thanks. Uh, and thanks to Louis Zong for also sliding us uh, a sort of virtual $5 down on the down low mm. by letting us use his song, which is a wanker, uh, as our as our opening and closing. I, I still still get a little uh, get a little happy every time every time I hear it when I when I boot up our our Spotify to uh to listen to you know probably like half of yeah because <laughs> I've I've heard it before I was there but I'm just gotta get just you know sometimes I'm interested you know I I'll go back and listen to the early ones because I forget those at this point like who yeah, won, who won vampires versus werewolves it was you it, it was, was you. me I knew it I was <laughs> I picked one that I won <laughs> but yeah um but yeah so thanks yeah as always where's the body